This is the East Idaho PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. That's right. Uh, welcome in. It is another edition of the East Idaho PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. Talking District 5 and 6 activities week in, week out in the great state of Idaho. Brandon Bainey joined by our East Idaho expert, Sean Kane. Yo, what's up, Skane182? Hey, um, you know, the AstroTurf... Or Phil Turf is not always greener on the other side. <laughs> okay. Uh, I assume you're uh, using that as a lead into what the main topic of conversation is going to be this week, and that's injuries, which are sad and unfortunate. And we will get to that in just a second. But first, I am so sick of talking about stuff that doesn't happen on the field. But really quickly, let's address this whole Pocatello Ridgeview thing one final oh. time. Uh, not long before we were set to sign on to record the prep cast, you're going to be seeing this late Wednesday, the 13th, early Thursday, the 14th. But uh, we all talked, we talked about it last week. Pocatello Ridgeview were supposed to play this football game. Sean ended up getting canceled. Um, we, we dissected it five ways from Sunday. And now today Pocatello high school has sent a letter of apology to Ridgeview high school. Yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, it's, it's, it's just kind of an interesting turn of events, right? Um, uh, basically just apologizing for some comments, you know, made and yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know what, I don't know what to say exactly. You don't see a whole lot of apology letters during the football season, right? Like, sorry. Right. So, I mean, it's just, you know, I, I went and talked to a few other people about, you know, what could have happened and, you know, it just, no one really could come to any sort of kind of interesting conclusion, but I guess is the conclusion, you know, you know, law and order sometimes ends with the judge is about to go guilty or not guilty, but it ends. Right. That's kind of how I felt. And then now we get this letter. So part two. <laughs> so this all stemmed from an interview that head coach Dave Spillett from Pocatello high school did with uh, the local TV station down there in Pocatello KPVI. And in there, he basically gave Pocatello's side of the story. And, you know, he was, I think it was still close enough to the actual cancellation that the feelings and emotions were raw a little bit. Um, and anyways, at Ridgeview maybe felt the comments weren't fair to them. It kind of cast them in a bad light. I don't know. I thought we did a pretty good job of explaining their side of it, Pocatello's side of it last week. Yeah. But here's my thing, and I'll probably get in trouble, trouble for saying this, but... I feel like, and, and this letter was, uh, I think it was signed by a couple of different people, but Lisa Delanis, the, the, mm-hmm. the, princ- the principal at Pocatello High, kind of the spearhead here, right? Yeah, that's 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 who signed the letter. I mean, the letterhead has all the administrators from um, the school, but she's the one that signed it at the bottom, yeah. Yeah, and, and this happens all the time in the NCAA, in the professional leagues, People have to write these letters of apology or, or, you know, make statements that say, Hey, I'm sorry for what I did, but this has been now almost two weeks, you know, 10 days at least since that interview aired, both teams have played a whole nother game since then. Why now is this apology letter coming out? Yeah. Honestly, I'd kind of forgotten about it until we saw that. Right. I kind of like we've, talked about it it's everyone's got their two bits in let's move on we've got a lot of football and a lot of season left so it's 
that's kind of interesting that it comes out, you know, today it's a Wednesday, right? Wednesday, if you know, if you're hearing this later, but on Wednesday, just kind of a odd time for it to, to come out. So, but I mean, I don't know. I don't think we really have to get into too much kind of like, it's kind of like, uh, kind of like the end of the episode where I think we're ready to move on talk about actual football or yeah. other sport or other sports, you know, golf soccer whatever whatever volleyball <laughs> yes um i think the end of the episode is going to be our title i know you wanted the uh field turf thing but sometimes the title happens organically and you just have okay. to um okay here's my last thing and I, again i'll probably get in trouble for this but <laughs> that's the caveat here and maybe lisa delanis was gone and she just got back to to the school and got back to work but if pocatello really felt bad about it they would have sent the apology after it happened this to me seems like ridgeview i don't know it feels like a letter that was forced like hey i I kind of i kind of look at it like it's a it's kind of a a a tactic they use in schools when a a student um, has some bad behavior they make them write a, a letter of apology to the teacher but it happens either that day or maybe the next day, depending on what in the schedule, right? Or or a, a student like that. I mean, I sometimes don't remember what I did yesterday, so I can't imagine a high school student remembering either. So yeah, I, I think when you look at a letter like that, uh, you know, you kind of look at time, place, and manner, right? <laughs> yeah. The lemon, te- the lemon <laughs> test, if you constitutional law enthusiasts in, in watching this. <laughs> oh man so that is the absolute last we are going to spend talking about this situation at pocatello high school there's a lot of outside the arena stuff happening there right now and we just i I just i'm done with it i want to start talking about actual results like you said so that is the update there let's shift to what was a really bad week it, it's been a bad season overall of injuries um not just not and not even just in football but i feel like in cross country there's been runners that have been you know dinged up there's been to me a lot of injuries across the board early in the high school sports season this year football of course is the spotlight where everybody looks the most and we had two devastating injuries in two separate districts in east idaho last friday night sean um we'll start with bonneville they were playing rigby uh, in a non-conference battle. Uh, it was towards the end of the first quarter. Tim Williams, uh, star running back for Bonneville, uh, kind of gets tackled by two rigby players, ends up suffering a really bad leg injury um, to the point where game had to be stopped. He had to be taken uh, in the ambulance to the hospital. Um, and Bonneville's players, I think, were kind of not in a good headspace to continue playing that game. It's kind of almost like the Buffalo Bills thing last year. Not, not that you know Tim Williams, you know, stopped breathing or anything. He was totally fine there. But just the the part where the players said, "I don't really feel like I could go back out there and play after this happened," and so they called the game there at the two. 30 mark of the first quarter or whatever it was. So it goes down as a a forfeit by Bonneville. It's a win for Rigby, but really the main focus was, okay, how's Tim doing? So he's obviously, this is a a devastating injury. He's going to be out for probably the year uh, in terms of sports. But the, the best part that I saw on Bonneville social media was he's in pretty good spirits here. Um, Here's what the quote said. Um, he says, I know God has a plan and things happen for a reason. 
And so he's he's taking it really well, and he's on the mend. And, of course, our thoughts and prayers are with Tim and his family and everybody uh, up there in the Bonneville community as well. Yeah, and, you know, you know what, what's the statistic? If you play football, you have a 100% chance of getting injured, right? So it's one of those things that's really part of the game, and that's, you know, a great – a great way to look at it and you know you know he's okay right i mean he's gonna be okay and that's i think the most important part and hopefully that's the takeaway is that sometimes everyone being healthy and going on with their lives is really the most important part yeah and then there was uh, some rumblings about you know was the hit clean was it not you know on the on the rigby side of things and uh, I liked coach Bobby Romander uh, came out and, and again, kind of just said like, Hey, like, let's, let's not worry about that part of it. Basically what they said in the post was I've heard rumblings of some negative banter back and forth. I would ask us as a community and especially bees nation to be like Timmy, uh, Tim Williams and take the high road. His example has lifted and strengthened uh, us continuously uh, since we've known him, but especially in the last 24 hours. And then one of the Rigby players even reached out um, and said like, Hey, I feel awful that this happened. And so I think the fences are mended. Uh, we certainly wish Tim Williams a recovery. Um, it's not going to be speedy, but we wish him the best in his recovery. And yeah, it's, it's good to see that both sides um, are going to, put this behind them and now carry on the rest of the way yeah I, I couldn't agree more that's i think that's what you have to do is just you know there's not a ton of positives to come out of it right but what positive can you do how can you move forward and and that's it seems to be the track where we're heading and, and that's probably the best outcome yeah so uh Bonneville again, star running back Tim Williams suffers a pretty gruesome and, and serious leg injury in that game that was ultimately forfeited to Rigby. Sean, you were on the call Friday night for Highland and Century in a crosstown battle. Highland won the game 58 to three, but uh, the, the big story there was Deegan Crabtree, this really young but kind of promising quarterback for Century. Um, he gets taken to the hospital with a pretty significant injury. Yeah, it was, um, you know, unfortunately, it was Sentry's best drive. They're moving the ball. Uh, Deacon Crabtree's sitting some long passes, and they're in a first and 10 situation, and he pitches the ball, gets hit, and it's, you know, it doesn't look like anything that significant, but that turned out to be pretty significant. They had to get the ambulance and get him out. He, you know, lost some feeling in the right side, but. You know the good news he's discharged and he he's on a recovery but it was um it was it was it was uh just kind of a crazy turn of events you know it just the game just stopped and both sides agreed to let the time run out there's about six minutes left in the second quarter and uh, and they said they're gonna let the time run out and so that's what i thought was happening so we we're kind of trying to keep the halftime stuff but then they came on with five seconds left and said Century called a timeout and they kicked a field goal, um, and then they had home uh, homecoming stuff like that. But you know he he's doing well and he's recovering. And man, it, and then subsequently in the in the third quarter, Adrian Gonzalez comes in, plays three plays, break, and he's the backup quarterback for Century, and he breaks his collarbone, doesn't come back. So um, yeah, it, I, I didn't know that until later, but it was it was just a rough night in the quarterback position for the Diamondbacks and. They had had a bunch of injuries, and 
and it was tough. And, you know, they, they, I guess there was discussion about stopping it at halftime, but they kept playing. But, you know, what it was really nice to see is the Highland coaches, the Century coaches, they know all know each other. They were talking. Um, you know, they were all making sure everyone was all right. And it was just really, really good. Uh, I thought sportsmanship from both sides just to make sure that, you know, you had the best outcome and safety. Yeah, and that's a tough one where it's a crosstown rivalry, right? I, I'm pretty sure Highland and Century have played every year since Century opened mm-hmm. as a school. And it's just, it's one of those games where you can't not play it. It's just, it's the way it is with crosstown yeah. rivalries. But the the disparity in depth and, and talent, if we're being honest, you know, mm-hmm. between Highland, a 5A power, and probably we think one of the best 5A teams in the state, and, and Century, which is a 4A team that's among the smallest and doesn't have much in terms of varsity players it's just it's just it's bad um (laughs) but but i'm glad that century continued the game and didn't give up at halftime and continue to play because that is ultimately only going to make those players uh stronger so yeah so you know other 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 kids got opportunities to get in you know same with highland and having a lead so i mean at the end of the day you know you want the people to be okay but it was nice for both sides um, to get some opportunity for minutes. And that's kind of what we talked about on the broadcast as well. But yeah, uh, it's, it's a rough situation, but there's some positives too. Definitely. So uh, again, injuries statewide this year have been just awful. And we, we hope everybody is safe as they continue to compete out there. Um, especially in those contact sports. Um, but even like I said, in the non-contact sports cross country, we've seen runners kind of, it's almost like load management, you know, NBA players will selectively sit out races or sit out games um, to, to manage the load. So they're at their absolute peak for the playoffs. Well, we're seeing that more and more in cross country where Neela Roberts skyline star senior trying to go four for four in four, a state titles, um, she has said this year, hey, look, there, there's going to be some races where I just don't compete. Um, and, I, and I'm and i doing that because last year I, I had a nagging injury and I, I wasn't sure how it was going to affect me. And so she's just trying to be preventative this year, which I totally get. But one of the meets she did compete in, of course, she had to. It's her home meet. It's Tiger Grizz. We had it last Friday on IdahoSports.com from Freeman Park in Idaho Falls. You're going to be shocked to hear this, Sean, but uh, Neela Roberts won her heat, uh, won her race. Uh, it was the, it was a seeded race for the first time. Um, they took the best times, regardless of whether you were a 5A or a 1A athlete, and they put the best of the best in, in, a, in a race together, and Neela Roberts ended up winning it in her season debut. Yeah, I mean, I if if I was a betting man, I would have I would have betted probably that way. But yeah, nice nice job. I I just thought you know it was very uh, it was uh, interesting and a very cool factor to have that seated aspect to the race. It made it made it pretty interesting. I think because you have so many competitors, you know, forty something schools, and just having that seated aspect, you, you got the best of the best going head to head, and that's what more do you want in sports? Yeah, and every every race we ever cover, it seems like it's Neela Roberts from Skyline first, and then Courtney Earl from Thunder Ridge second, and that's exactly how it played out here. Courtney Earl, uh, in another era, would be like, we'd be talking about her all the time, winning all these races. She just happens to be here at the same time as Neela Roberts, and Neela is just a little bit better, but man, Courtney Earl from Thunder Ridge is also very fun uh, to watch run and compete. And, uh, and then we had some highlights on the girls' side, 
um, in our in our B division, Sean. That was for the smaller schools. So we had the seated race. And then for the athletes that didn't qualify for that, we had an A race, which is 5A, 4A schools. And then we had a B race, which is 3A, 2A, 1A. And we had a lot of East Idaho girls do well in that in that B race. Uh, the, the Boone sisters, Liza and Lucy from Ryrie, um, both competed pretty well. Ryrie as a team uh, did really strong. Um, and so they'll be, you know, Ryrie's a team to watch on the girls' side uh, for cross country this year also. Yeah, just um, they'll be tough. If Anytime you have two strong racers man it makes it makes the team you know you're pacing and you know every day you're going against the best that's going to be very beneficial later yeah in fact ryrie won the b girls title those the 3a 2a 1a title uh, over soda springs ryrie finished with 55 points soda finished with 64 and in cross country it's like golf you want you want the lowest score lowest yeah. score wins uh there um, so yeah, uh, congrats to Ryrie. And then the individual champion in the girls B race was a freshman from West Jefferson, Bella Spencer, Sean, she won all three times. She competed in junior high at the tiger Grizz. She won in sixth grade, seventh grade and eighth grade. She wins the B race in her freshman year. She she's four for four at tiger Grizz in her career so far. And she's still got three more years of high school competition. That might be something to track, right? Who, who gets the. You got a, the Tiger Grizz uh, full circle. The, the, you know, I don't know what do you, what do you call it in racing when you win them all? The run the gauntlet. Yeah, there know. you go. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think it was like horse racing. If you win them all, right? There's something. Anyways, never mind. The tri- triple crown, but that's triple only cr- that's only yeah. three though. The eight crown or whatever I guess for the Tiger Grizz or seven yeah. crown. Yeah, so congratulations to Bella Spencer from uh, West Jefferson as well. On the boys' side of things from Tiger Grizz, Sean, I thought the biggest storyline was, again, in that boys' seated race. Uh, it was a, it was a kid from Rocky Mountain who won. No surprise, Rocky Mountain is like uh, not only the best program in the state, but probably one of the best in the entire Pacific Northwest, Rocky Mountain High from, from uh, Meridian, the 5A program. Um, but taking second place in this loaded field of runners – was Corbin Johnston from North Fremont, a 2A athlete, getting second overall. Uh, I I expect big things from Corbin Johnston this year uh, on the cross-country circuit. Yeah, he's a, a name that comes up when we do any sort of mixed meet race, right, in track too, right? He's he's always at the top, so it's awesome when he gets to compete with that big seated field. So nice job by Corbin Johnston, man. That's That's good stuff. Yeah, he and he's the younger brother. Zach Johnston is the older uh, brother, but Cor- Corbin, since he's come onto the scene, uh, he's now a junior at North Fremont. Uh, he, he's just been phenomenal to watch. And then in the, in the B race, uh, Ezra Hubbard of Rockland ended up winning the title, representing the 1A Bulldogs. So way to go, Ezra Hubbard. There's kind of this opening here, Sean, where um, the dominant runner in 1A cross country the past several years has been Ian Stockett from Victory Charter, which is a private school over there in Boise, but he has now graduated. It's kind of opened this void. And most most people in cross-country circles are thinking it's going to come down to the state title to Ezra Hubbard of Rockland, but also Ian's younger brother, Luke Stockett from Victory Charter. Can, <laughs> can Hubbard finally take out the Stockett family this year? It's a, it's a family affair, I guess, right? Family feud. <laughs> <laughs> but cross country. Right. Uh, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on Ezra Hubbard from Rockland. 
uh, as well. We had a lot of fun at, at, at Tiger Grizz uh, this past week for sure. So congrats to all of the outstanding athletes who were running and competing there. Um, okay, let's talk uh, some volleyball action here, Sean. Um, we have every week Lindsay Togiai Afuk. That that's a name East Idaho fans will recognize, of course. She played at Century High School and under under Pauline Theros, who's now the athletic director at Idaho State University. And um, she writes a weekly column for us. She's kind of our uh, in-house volleyball analyst here at IdahoSports.com. She uh, writes a weekly column called Keeping Up with the Kill, where she highlights just a couple of couple of things that she's seen or uh, you know, a couple of noteworthy things. Two weeks ago, she she profiled uh, Addie Evans from Pocatello High School. This week, uh, one of the things she focused on was Snake River. And the Panthers have kind of quietly gone under the radar this year in the 3A ranks. Everybody talks about Kimberly, the defending state champions, and Fruitland, which got to the championship and had the player of the year in the entire state as a freshman. But Snake River beats Kimberly last week, and they're now the number one team in the volleyball coaches poll, which was just released today. Um, this is a really promising Snake River team. Yeah, and Snake River won in three, right? It wasn't like a five-set match. They they took a, they took down Kimberly Kimberly in three sets. So yeah, you you kind of expect that matchup maybe to go the distance, but that's a nice job by Snake River. Um, yeah, kind of just sneak their way up to number one in the in the poll too, right? Snake River is now the number one team in that three A division. Yeah, it's been pretty incredible to watch uh, Snake River compete and uh, do all these incredible things. Uh, a couple of players that Lindsay, you know, sort of highlighted in keeping up with the kill is uh, Zoe Watt. She's a uh, setter. Madison Watt is the libero, which is, you know, defense only. Uh, Taylor Carlson plays in the middle. And then two defensive specialists in Josephine Cook and Cassidy Bingham. They're all seniors. So like this is the year snake rivers kind of pushing their chips to the middle of the table with, with all these seniors. And uh, I've got to say, you know, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with what snake river has been able to do. They're always consistently a solid program, but uh, really opening some eyes by taking out uh, Kimberly. The Panthers are four in one on the season. They lost to Kimberly in Earlier. the season opener. Yeah. In, in five, three to two, but bounce back with the sweep of Kimberly. They just swept a really good South Fremont team on Tuesday night, Sean. So, and they've swept Sugar Salem and Teton. In fact, every match they've won this year has been a 3-0 sweep, except for that five-set loss to Kimberly. Yeah, so, you know, the numbers don't lie, right? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, it's it's nice that they got to play Kimberly twice. I mean, I, you know, that's is maybe that's some foresight into the future of what's going to happen, right? With the, and maybe later on in the year where those teams might end up. So yeah, that's a great job by Snake River and uh, a very good uh, experienced group. Yeah, that's going to be uh, really fun to watch. Um, we talked about last week in terms of volleyball. We kind of singled out a D1 and a D2 program, right? We talked about Grace and Mackey. I kind of wanted to do the same thing again this week, except it's uh, conference rivals of theirs. At the 1A D1 level, Sean Butte County is off to an 11-0 start. They have played 11 matches already this year. Um, they haven't done much in terms of like going to tournaments where those results don't count. They have played a lot of try matches. And so because of that, they've built up this 11 and 0 start with some really impressive wins. I mean, they have beaten Teton, a three, a school. 
They've beaten North Fremont, West Jefferson, Aberdeen, and Salmon. Those are all 2A schools. They've beaten some of the best in their own classification, Raft River, Cary, Murtaugh. Murtaugh is number one in the coaches' poll, or, or was number one in the coaches' poll. They're still ahead of Butte County, even though the Pirates beat them. <laughs> I'm like, what, what happened here? Um, but they're 11-0 but they're and 0 and looking really good. Yeah, you kind of have to wonder what – I mean, you're 11-0. What does it take you to get from that fifth spot? I mean – I don't know what. Uh, so, yeah, Murtaugh is a big win. You know, has been in the top for a while. So, Buchanan is probably asking themselves, "What we got to do to get a little higher in that poll?" But you know, polls are polls, wins are wins, and eleven wins speaks volumes. Yeah, Tavy Rogers is really leading the charge up there for Butte County this year, and it's going to come to a head here, Sean, on Thursday night, Thursday the fourteenth. First time this year, we're going to see Butte County and Grace compete. This matchup will be in Grace, and this is a game of uh, undefeated teams. Butte County's 11-0, Grace is 6-0, and I suspect that these two teams are two of the eight best in the state. Unfortunately, this year, their district, District 5 and 6, only gets a half bid to state. The district champion doesn't automatically get to go if they have to play a play-in match still. So you're oh. looking at you're looking at Butte County and Grayson going, somebody's going to be sitting at home for state. Oh. And and the possibility of both teams not making it, man, that just doesn't sit right with me. It's time to expand the tournaments. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I mean, why have a district championship if that does? I don't know. We that's a, we've we've done that, but I mean, if you're going to play the tournament, you, there might there might as well be something to get out of it. But just to have to go play again, I this uh, just crazy to me. Uh, and my heart breaks for whichever of those two was going to be sitting at home uh, on play in Saturday, not even having a chance to compete to go to state. Because I I really do believe Butte County and Grace are two of the eight best teams in the state this year in one eighty one volleyball. But unfortunately, that's the way it goes. Um, okay. 1A D2 level, Sean. We got to talk about Grace Lutheran. Uh, the Royals are 5-0. and They're 4-0 and in Rocky Mountain Conference play. This is their best start in school history, Sean. Yeah, just a, a great job by Grace Lutheran. Again, kind of kind of like Snake River. You're not, you know, you're not really – it's not what it comes to mind when you think – volleyball in in that level but slowly but surely off to five and oh and and really probably what you're saying most important is that four and oh in that big conference there so that's a nice job yeah grace lutheran i kind of i kind of yeah my dog's really impressed with that too uh (laughs) can you ever hear that when my dog barks yeah i could hear that one yeah yeah she's laying right next to me on the floor so (laughs) there's no no masking that um so uh, grace lutheran uh I, we talk about this all the time i don't have favorites when it comes to schools right uh i'm not from idaho uh so i don't really have people think i'm biased against certain schools but I'm, i really am not but uh i will say i do have a soft spot soft spot in my heart for grace lutheran only because when i lived in pocatello they were one of the closest schools to where i lived i mean highland was technically the closest but grace lutheran was right there too you know you're talking like 3 minute drive from my yeah. house to, to to grace lutheran we went there for the first time last year and did some basketball games on idahosports.com which was really cool and and exciting and um it's it's a great community there grace lutheran i've gotten a couple of emails from from some of their uh, fans and administrators 
saying, hey, can we talk? Yeah, exactly. Can we talk about this team a little bit? Um, they beat Rockland on Saturday 3 nothing. Okay, stop, Bella. Lay down. <laughs> they they swept Rockland three to nothing. Uh, it's the first time Grace Lutheran has ever beaten Rockland in varsity volleyball. It's incredible. Yeah, I mean, just just uh, you know, it's a nice job. They, you know, it's a it's a small it's it's a small D A one D one school, right? I mean, it's 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 small and but they have a good community everyone goes out and support you know doing the games there last year basketball girls and boys is just kind of fun jeremy hess the ad there um great atmosphere everyone supports it's it's if you're gonna go see a small school sporting event yeah and you kind of gets lost in pocatello right with the three big high schools um that you've got grace lutheran and and um you know and you think of all the other schools and all the kids that go there and they're able to pull together that kind of team to get a win over a, you know, a, a pretty good, you know, not pretty good, but always a really good Rocky mountain or <clears throat> Rockland team. I mean, that's just, it's a testament to what they're trying to build there at Grace Lutheran. And it's a, it's a great thing to see. Yes. Yeah, so the Royals then not only swept Rockland, but then they swept Ledor on Tuesday night as well. They have not dropped a set this year. Now, they acknowledge, hey, we haven't played Water Springs yet. They're pretty good. We haven't played Mackey yet, and we know Mackey's good. Mm-hmm. But, man, the Royals, 5-0, 4-0 in conference. Really exciting time for, for Grace Lutheran Volleyball. So we wanted to give them a shout-out. And, and it's not like they have, like, a ton of players, right? No. Um, they, I think for girls basketball last year, I think they had six or seven. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of similar in volleyball where there's not a ton of student population to pull from. So... You know, the fact they're doing this is really impressive. Yeah, just when you only have that, you, you know, the, you got what you got, you know, uh, <laughs> and to pull that around that way is is phenomenal. And it builds. It probably gets some more kids out, too, like next year. Like, oh, yeah, the volleyball team's got it going on. We're going to get a few more. So, I mean, it helps build for the future as well. That's what you like to see in, in schools that don't have the numbers. Yeah, and Grace Lutheran did crack the top five in the coaches' poll this week uh, for volleyball. I believe they were at number four. Uh, before we duck out of here, Sean, uh, let's talk soccer, where uh, the, the soccer coaches' polls just came out today, boys and girls. Let's start with girls' soccer. I'll tell you who from East Idaho is in the top five, and then and, and you can kind of expand on on whatever you want. Nothing in the 5A. Uh, the top five spots in the 5A are all Boise area schools. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, 4A, Pocatello girls are ranked second in the 4A poll, Sean. They are still undefeated. They're 8-0 overall, 1-0 in league play. This is shaping up to be a really special season for the Thunder. Yeah, the Thunder is, you know, they didn't have, oh, now you can hear my dog. <laughs> She's excited. Um, you know, the Thunder, they they didn't lose. It's very similar to their basketball team. They didn't lose a lot from last year. It was a young team. That young team's back. Um, what I hear from coaches across the area is that they are possibly the fastest team in in soccer, in 4A soccer. They're, they're one of the fastest teams and. When you can play fast, it, it just makes a huge difference. So, yeah, they're they're. I mean, they're second in the poll, but I would say as far as soccer, they're kind of a little under the radar because when you talk four A soccer, you talk BK, you talk Sandpoint um, from Northern Idaho, and 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 then Magic Valley. Usually, Twin Falls is really strong girls soccer team, but right now that Thunder team is really rolling. 
well, in the last couple of years, Preston has been kind of the premier team mm-hmm. in, in the district and Pocatello's just got athletes. I mean, you've got, um, uh, Bunderson and you've got Ellie Hawkinson and Liv Marshall, all these, all these players that were on that girls basketball team that got to state for the first time in a long time last year. And then, uh, uh Dita, Dita Masick, um, is such a talented forward and really piles up the points. And, and then at the back, the back end too, Kirstine Kent is just all reliable back there in goal uh, for Pocatello as well. It's uh, on the season. The thunder have allowed, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, five goals total in eight matches. Pretty impressive. Yeah. That, you know, that's uh, that's what's going to make the difference, right? The defense, of course, you love high scoring goal games, but when you get down to the nitty gritty and it's those one zero um, wins or you know or losses, uh, having the defense and the goalie to back that up is what takes you far um, later on for sure. Yeah, uh, girls soccer top five, Sugar Salem, the number one team. They're seven and zero. They went out and dismantled the opening uh, game, uh, the champions from Sun Valley Community School, and they've just been on a roll ever since. Marsh Valley in the top five this week, Sean. They check in at number three. They are off to a seven and two start. They are three and zero in conference play. So Marsh Valley has got some exciting things going on in girls soccer as well. Yeah, Marsh Valley is a, definitely a team in East Idaho that's on the radar as far as goal soccer. Um, you know, a lot of teams will say they don't want to go down a level to go play Marsh Valley, and that speaks to the a testament of their team, right? Like they're like, eh, we're, we're, we're all right, just playing in our division. But yeah, Marsh Valley doing really well this season. That's a tough place to go play, man. It doesn't matter what sport it is. The fans there in uh, in Aramo are so passionate and just support their team in droves. It's it's a tough place to go in down there, Marsh Valley. So congrats to the Eagles and the Diggers for cracking the top five. Boy soccer, Sean uh, Thunder Ridge is tied for fourth in the five A poll, eight and one and one overall, one and zero oh and one in league play. Nothing surprising there. Thunder Ridge has been a strong team the past several seasons. Uh, Coach Lance does a great job with the with the Titans. Yeah, they're you know from accounts they're probably one of the best boys teams in East Idaho, if not the best. Uh, they they have a, just they just have a really talented roster. Um, they fill all the spots, and uh, yeah, the Thunder Ridge boys team is is doing good things right now. And yet. They battled to a draw with Highland on Monday, a 1-1 draw. Uh, Highland, in kind of a bizarre twist here, Sean, is 0-0-2. Zero and zero and each, each of their conference matches have been ties so far. They tied Madison 0-0 last week, and then they tied Thunder Ridge 1-1 on Monday. The Rams will get Madison again in Rexburg on Saturday, September 23rd. The rematch with Thunder Ridge will be at Iron Horse Stadium on Thursday night, September 28th. They're going to play under the lights at 730. Oh, it'll be fun. I, I think soccer under the lights is great, so I, I love it. <laughs> yeah, and Thunder Ridge, I'm sure, will be motivated to atone for the draw from earlier in the season. Uh, 4A, Paul Sean Century checks in at number five. They're 6-1 and one overall, 2-0 and oh in league play. Yeah, their only loss is two thunder ridge they lost zero to three and uh yeah good team i you know century brings back a lot of people from last year and uh so far they've done well in conference and 
Um, it's a it's a it's a good team. They've got a lot of good good players throughout that roster, and and they're doing pretty well at the four A level. And then in the three A poll, Sean, uh, you've got uh, Sugar Salem ranked number one, five and zero and one on the season. Teton is third; they're six and zero. And American Falls tied for fourth. They've had a lot of draws this year. They've got four wins, two losses, three ties, including one in conference play. Uh, but those are three programs that traditionally are very strong as well. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so Teton and Sugar, both undefeated. Sugar's only tie came against Shelly earlier this year, 1-1. One, one. Um, we don't get to see those two play, though, until later in September. September 26th in Sugar is when the first Teton-Sugar matchup will take place. And then the season finale at Teton, Thursday, October 5th. So that could say a lot. And then for American Falls, we mentioned all of the ties that they've had this year. They tied Firth 2-2. They tied Firth a second time (laughs) (laughs) 2-2. And then they've tied Aberdeen 2-2. So... Uh, and we'll 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 find out, Sean, as we're recording this uh, on Wednesday, September thirteenth. Sugar Salem and American Falls are doing battle right now, so we'll, oh. we'll be updated on that on next week's prepcast. Yeah, and we talked about this. It's it's about those teams that if you you know they tie or lose in the first half of the season, and what adjustments they make in the second half of the season. So I think the second half of the season for. Um, boys soccer is going to kind of tell you a lot about what adjustments those teams made. Definitely. All right. On the broadcast schedule this week on IdahoSports.com, we've got some good football matchups for you involving East Idaho teams. First of all, we're going to be having a game involving the Grace Grizzlies. Hey, Grace is a team that people don't get to see much of sometimes. So this is your chance. If you want to watch the Grace Grizzlies, you can do so for free on IdahoSports.com as the Grizzlies travel to notice for a non-conference battle Friday night at 6 o'clock. Yes, it's kicking off an hour early, so Grace can get home at a decent hour. Um, We've also got Gate City game night, Sean. It's the annual Black and Blue Bowl, Highland and Pocatello. This could be an interesting one. Pocatello just beat Twin Falls 20-7 to last week, and that's, by the way, I think that's a potential, like, semifinal preview there. Uh, Twin Falls is no joke. And um, Highland, of course, we've talked about all year. How do, how do you think this black and blue bowl goes? Oh, man, I just, you know, I was was talking to someone about it and you've just got you've got a lot of you've got a lot of players, right? You've got Drew Contreras as the quarterback for Pocatello. You've got Drew Hymas for the por- quarterback for Highland. You know, you've got great running backs and Echo Hawk and Jackson Riddle for Highland. And man, you've just you've got so many playmakers, you know, the one that I find kind of interesting is, you know, Julian Bowie. They added, he scored a couple touchdowns against twin, you know, take, take him away. What's that score with twin falls, right? I mean, it's, it's a close game and I agree with you. I think twins a really, really good team. Um, so I, yeah, I think it's, you know, what's the generic thing commentators say it's about matchups, right? Like Kai Callen, the DB of Highland matching up, with someone, I think it's going to be who's ever matchup they can find a hole in it could be the difference. But man, I you know I've seen Highland twice now live, and I I just don't know how you account for all their offense. Um, it could be like it could be this you know high scoring blowout, or it could be just a slugfest in the trenches. I can see it going both ways with how both both teams have all this star power. 
Yeah, I will say that the Kai Callen versus more, more than likely Julian Bowie matchup is to me going to be, oh, what a treat to watch. Those are two of the absolute best at what they do going head to head. Kai Callen, best DB in, 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 in probably the state for his class. You know, he's yeah. only a junior. Um, and then, you know, Julian Bowie, of course, uh, going to play basketball at Boise State, but such a, an explosive wide receiver as well. Um, but to me, I think it comes down to uh, the battle of the trenches and that Highland front seven is nasty with like, you know, Colton George and Beckles <laughs> and that that front seven is is no joke. And I think they could give Pocatello some problems there. So that's why I will give Highland the edge. But you'll remember last year's game, Sean, you and I were on the call for it. Yep. Was, 14 was, to 14 to 7 Highland won. So it was a it was a you know I think we going into it you kind of thought it might be a shootout, right? I think yeah. you kind of, and it wasn't that at all. So that's why I kind of I have a feeling like this could be a shootout um or it could be like what we saw last year, a really close game and I and I would have to agree with you. I lean a little towards Highland because of not only their defensive line but their offensive line is phenomenal and it gives them so many different looks. Um, as far as passing and throwing the ball. Yeah. And then our final game, uh, Friday night football, it is Bonneville taking on Idaho falls at Ravston stadium as part of East Idaho game night. I mean, Bonneville, obviously, how do they respond after that devastating injury to Tim Williams that we mentioned, um, Idaho falls after dropping that overtime game, uh, or after winning that overtime game to, to, uh, over Thunder Ridge in the season opener. They've dropped two in a row. This this is a big battle. It's the conference opener for each of these teams. Bonneville's two and one. Idaho Falls is one and two. We talked about how good this league is with Skyline and Hillcrest and Shelley all making statements early on in the season. Can Bonneville and Idaho Falls both get to the playoffs? Maybe, but the winner of this game will definitely have a leg up. Yeah, I think it has a lot of implications for later, right? Winning this game just kind of is going to be important for later on the season but yeah both have a lot to i mean it's a big game i think it's just a big game for both teams you know how does bonneville respond idaho falls kind of looking for some footing so uh big game um i don't i don't know where i lean on that one losing tim williams i've saw him play live and he's he's a he's the real deal so um i'm sure bonneville will have an answer to that and hopefully the guys can rally around him but a good game for sure on East side of game night. Yeah, it's going to be really fun. So grace at notice Highland and pokey in the black and blue bowl and Bonneville at Idaho falls as my dog is in a sneezing fit here, which means it's time for us to go. Uh, <laughs> Sean, uh, where are you going to be at this week? What, pokey, what I'm at the uh, Pocatello Highland. Okay. I'm apparently, I just do all the Highland games. That's what <laughs> I think it's going to be. No, I, I don't know. Um, I'm at the, yeah, at lookout field. Um, it, it should be a good one. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see that game and Highlands played there. Pocatello has not. <laughs> That's kind of an interesting factor, right? So Highland has played at lookout this season and Pocatello has not, but essentially it's the same turf on both fields. So it looks exactly the same except for one has a Ram and you know, one has the Thunders logo, but um, it's kind of a funny thing, right? Highlands had more games on, pocatello's field than they have this season <laughs> yeah that is that is definitely an interesting oh. factoid there so he's trying to mute out the dog 
I, I was. Uh, before my dog's mutiny against me here, we will sign off. Thank you for tuning into the East Idaho PrepCast, everybody, for Sean Kane and uh, our respective dogs. I'm Brandon Bainey. We'll see you next time on IdahoSports.com.